0: Hey, what's going on? Is this service started or what? How's the, no <laughs> pretty obviously, right? How are you doing? Is it still cold? Oh my gosh, isn't it unbelievable? It's crazy, isn't it? Hey, listen, I know we've got quite a few people that are still getting their kids put in and everything, but I want to show you, to get started, uh, some, a video. Of, we've showed it last week, but it's an event that's happening this Friday night and Saturday. It's called Leadership Gathering. So let me just show it to you again while folks are coming in. We'll talk about it, all right?
1: Lead. You can't lead if you're not hearing the voice of
0: God. together there is nothing that we can't do i really believe that god has given us a sacred trust
2: Working needs first, and he wants you to respond so that we can go out in force together from this place.
3: Good. Isn't great? This is awesome, so.
0: Um, Just a a couple things about this. I really want to encourage you to go. This has been a really fun event for us. It's over a thousand people at our Troy campus, all campuses represented. Uh, The big thing you need to know, we just say this every time, is when you see leadership gathering, you may disqualify yourself. Don't do that. Every one of us leads through influence in one way or another. Uh, if you're interested in sharpening that leadership saw and want to be part of the movement at Kensington, come and join us, okay? And it's free, but you can sign up, kensingtonchurch.org lead, all right? Great thing. Uh, the other program I want to tell you about, we're getting ready uh, to, for registrations for our next year for internships at Kensington. They're full-time internships that last for a year. We've had 25 or more. Is there a piano playing in here? That's weird, man. That's fun. So anyway, there's an internship program, about 25 or so. People are doing it currently. My son Davey's part of that program. It's been great for him. If you are a person who would love to increase your leadership skills, kind of combined uh, with the power of Christ and how you might be involved that way, man, there's lots of different uh, ways for you to to get involved. KensingtonChurch.org slash interns. Would love to have you be part of that program, okay? So take advantage of that. Um, one of the things that jeremiah and i've been talking a lot about um, is we're saying that our mission statement which is to see everyone transformed and mobilized so this whole idea of life change and then moving into something great happens best in the context of relationships and we say circles are better than rows so when you think of church you might think of sitting in a row like this but actually transformations difficult to happen in a row happens a lot better in circles so i asked Corinne and Kyle Wilson to come up here uh, because these guys um, have just started leading your first small group, right? Yes. So, Kyle, tell us just about what, what you've been doing. What, what kind of a group are you leading?
4: Yeah, we were part of the church wide uh, small group and we did the uh, love, sex, and dating and the questions that Jesus asked. So, super powerful.
0: Yeah, it's a really great series. That's one type. We've got lots of types. Corinne, I know for you, like leading a small group was like, eh, not the first thing on your mind, right? Tell yeah, me about no, that. We, we have uh, been plugged into small groups for the last three or four years and have always been led. And for the last year, I clearly heard God tell me us uh, that it was time to lead. And um, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's really what you're telling me. But finally, we took the leap and, and started leading. And it's been just absolutely fantastic. Tell Almost me better why. than. I want to just hear, like, for you, what's the best thing about small groups? You know how when you um, you attend a really great Sunday morning service and you leave just feeling soul-filled? I feel like that's tenfold. It's what you receive tenfold in a, in a group because you're seeing, you're not only hearing and studying the Word of God together, but I see God move in every single group member that, that we're sharing messaging with. It's super inc- It's life-giving, isn't it? It is. To yourself, yeah. So give these guys a hand for stepping out. Appreciate you guys so much. <clears throat> I want to spend, this is the first kind, Eric, come on up, this next few minutes, just giving you a sample of what this circle thing looks like. Eric's uh, leading another group called Alpha, okay, and you maybe have heard us talk about that. He's going to describe it in a minute. Let me tell you a little bit about Eric, Eric Jones. uh, He's an engineer, has an engineering degree, and then became a fighter pilot, and now is a patent attorney. And in his spare time, uh, teaches theology to Nicaraguan pastors when he's not doing anything else. So I I think he's like the most interesting man in the world. I'm not sure. So whether you're interested in Alpha or not, you just might might want to meet this guy. But seriously, tell us what the Alpha program is.
4: What Alpha is designed for is two kinds of people. One is the kind of people who don't, there's, there's something about the truth claims of Christianity they either don't understand or they don't know, and they want to find out. Yep. The other kind of people is the people who know what those claims are and are not buying it or they haven't become convinced of the truth claims. Yeah. And Alpha is a safe place where people can bring up the questions and raise the issues that normally you wouldn't raise because you're afraid of offending somebody or you're afraid of stepping on a cultural norm or you know, just creating a fight. In yeah. a situation like
0: that. And this is a safe place for that conversation. Now this, the fun part is we're starting it next weekend. And it's going to be, we kind of talked about when and where. We decided let's try it on the second service. It would be during this hour, the 1030 hour. Um, and you can just carve out like, about, it's about 10 weeks. You're going to get coffee, a bagel, find, find yourself around a little table and have an opportunity to really ask the questions and get in discussions that maybe you've wanted to have your whole life but couldn't do it. So sign up for Alpha, kensingtonchurch.org slash Alpha. You can do that online, or you can see Eric at Starting Point, which is our table kind of on that side of the lobby, right, Eric? And he'd love to meet you and talk about that. So give Eric a hand. Thanks for, thanks for doing that, But I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I really am. Now, so there's another circle. Totally different feel, but the same chance to really become transformed and start to grow with people, okay? Now my third one is for younger people, okay? It's our Kaleo kids okay? Kaleo means gathering, and it's uh, our program where we take elementary kids from kindergarten to fifth grade, and we introduce them to the arts. A lot of you have seen their work on this stage, which is pretty amazing, and we're getting ready to start our next program soon.
2: We are in a couple weeks, January 22nd. It's a Monday. We meet at Owen Elementary, which is in Pontiac. It's right down the road from Great Lakes Crossing. It's real close, Um, and we meet 445 to 630 on Mondays. It's it's amazing.
0: Jill is our um, school partner liaison, so she works with Laura, who's our director. Laura, wave your hand. She's our director Laura. for K Kid or Kaleo. Sorry, I keep calling it Kins and the Kids. Anyway, uh, so hey, we have Cynthia Cole and her son Grayson, and they have been part of this program. Just tell me, Cynthia. Just tell me one thing. What do you love about it? What's What's been great about it for you and your family?
2: I love that Grayson has got to be part of a team that is really not like a sport, basically. So he's had to just uh, learn how to be patient and uh, take turns with other kids and just really have a great message at the same time.
0: Yeah. Grayson, tell me, what is, for you, what's what's kind of been meaningful for you, even the last time you did it?
5: Um. So... When I first started it, I wasn't comfortable with going on stage. I was nervous with, like, all people, like, watching me
0: and Yeah, because it's brand new. You've never done it before, right? Nope. Yeah.
5: So when I met new people and learned about new things with other new people, it made me more confident in myself to go up there and be with new friends.
0: Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's kind of one of those Isn't things. That yeah, awesome? give me a hand. Because for us, I just know for us, we've just been blown away by like the program itself. It's been really moving. But then, you know, things are really cool. Like building confidence and character are happening with these kids backstage, and so it's been an awesome program. What are our steps?
2: Yep. Um, and and real quick, the theme is really amazing this semester. It's mismatch. Fitting that's in is overrated. Um, so to build confidence, uh, when you don't, when you don't maybe look like everybody else, you don't act like everybody, else. Um, Grayson, I know, go ahead and real quick, say what you wanted to say on that.
5: So, um, what I wanted to say on this is God made us all to be different so that we're all special. It's like, we're not all the same. We're not all soldiers in an army. We're not all doing the same thing we're all different and we all have different qualities and different emotions and you guys
2: this is a fifth grader Leading us for Kaleo kids action steps meet Laura and I out at the starting point table We only have 20 slots left available So if you've got a kindergartner through fifth grade you guys get them in this program The next thing is we are looking for small groups couples friends family We need 14 meals covered for our Owen elementary kids meet me at the starting point table and We can chat about that.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. My hand. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks racing So we could keep going. We won't because we got other things to do. But these are examples of how you can really get connected with people in a super meaningful way where your life gets lit up and you really begin to experience and change uh, the love of Christ and love others. So take advantage of those. All right. Hey, here's another chance. Stand up. Say hi to somebody. Be friendly. You never know what could happen. No. So we're starting our uh, second week of the Crave series. Um, this is a series we've done a few times at Kensington Now as we look at kind of the, the hurts, the hang-ups, the habits that can really strangle our life, right? And today we're talking specifically about alcohol and substance abuse and what that can do. Now, in our society, where this is so regular, like take drinking, for example, where it's just kind of a normal thing... Um, you can almost not even notice what kind of a role it's playing. is a really interesting piece when I've watched it at first I didn't really understand what was going on Uh, but what first of all what's interesting is Louise is not a real person she's an actor and there was a campaign done by a group to kind of raise the awareness of alcoholism and so she created an Instagram account and within just weeks there were 66,000 people following her and you saw the number of hundreds and thousands of like, 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 like. But what was interesting is there was not one comment about the presence of alcohol in almost every single picture that she was in. Isn't that interesting? How it just she just looks like, hey, she looks like a beautiful woman. It looks like she's having a life most of would like to have. And right and this whole alcohol thing can kind of go unnoticed. We're going to do a song for you that was performed by Pink. Some of you may know it. It's called Sober. Uh, and in, when she performed it, it was kind of a large production number and the lyrics though are super profound. And so we kind of stripped it down and Brian's going to perform it for us so that you can really access the lyrics of this song. And I, I would just love for you to kind of have maybe a train of thinking as you listen these couple questions. Is your life better with a drink? That'd be one question. Here's another one that this song really kind of pokes at. Are you scared to be sober?
6: I don't want to be the one That laughs the loudest Or the one that never wants to be I'm the only one you know in the world that won't be at home. I the sun is blinding. I I stayed up again. Though I am finding that's not the way I want my story. Why do I feel this party's over? No pain inside, you're my protection How do I feel this good sober? I don't want to be the one that has to fill the silence The quiet scares me cause it screams the truth don't tell me that we had that conversation. Cause I won't remember, save your breath, cause what's the use? And, oh the night is calling, and it whispers softly to me, come and play. And, oh, myself go I'm the only one to blame I'm safe apart nothing can touch me so why do For myself Sober I'm coming down Coming down Coming down Spinning round Spinning round Spinning round Looking for myself trying to find a friend I'm safe, up high, nothing can touch me So why do I feel this party's over? No pain inside, you're my perfection Inside, you're like perfection, but how do I feel?
0: Thanks. That was, it's a powerful song, isn't it? It's really powerful. You know, uh, drinking has become such a dominant theme in our culture, hasn't it? It's like we, we drink to numb our pain. We drink to celebrate our victories. Uh, we drink to forget our past. There's so many things. But when you listen to the lyrics of that chorus, <clears throat> sometimes we can be lulled to sleep. Listen to this one last time. It says, I'm safe where? When I'm high. I'm safe up high. Nothing can touch me, but why do I feel this party's over? No pain inside you 're my protection, but how do I feel this good sober? A great question. Would you just uh, bow your heads with me and I just love to invite God to really meet us today okay let's let 's pray, Lord. <clears throat> this is such an important issue for us, and it's it's funny, just like the instagram thing it 's kind of It seems like it's just part of who we are. It's a part of our culture. And then before we know it, sometimes it can really sneak in that back door and become something it was never intended to be, taking places in our life it never was supposed to take. Uh, I pray today, Lord, that you would bring light. Bring the truth. Help us if we're confused or if we've been kind of blindsided by this. I just pray that you would speak to us truth and that we would sense your grace not your condemnation, your love, um, your invitation to be whole, to be everything we were meant to be, to be that good sober. God, I just pray. So, God, we invite you uh, to come in and, and really be powerful among us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things I, I, I just thought it'd be important to address is kind of anytime we mention alcohol especially in a church setting, it's kind of an explosive word. Uh, There's been so much legalism around it, and there's been so much brokenness, and there's been so much pain, and people have felt, uh, you know, betrayed and hurt. And so I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of take a look at God's take on alcohol. I'm not going to spend very long, uh, but alcohol by nature is not bad. It's kind of like money by nature is not bad. It depends on what you do with it, right? if it's good or bad. Here's a couple of just interesting verses from Scripture, First Timothy. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Ecclesiastes says, go. Eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for God has already approved what you do. Some of you may have grown up in church backgrounds where this would be heresy, right? But it's Scripture, I don't know. Uh, but Listen. In all seriousness, we have to be careful, right, with alcohol. Here's, here's just, I'm just going to share three verses. It says, wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Here's another one. For you have spent enough time, this is 1 Peter, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Now, pagans is a word we don't really use a whole lot. It means somebody that doesn't believe in God. It's not following God, Okay. So he said, we spend enough time doing what they choose to do, living in debauchery, lust. Here it is, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. Proverbs 23, do not gaze at wine when it is red. And otherwise, when it's beautiful, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. And I think what it's saying here is don't gaze, but don't be enthralled with it. Okay? Because in the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Now, in each of those three I shared with you, obviously, it's not like drinking a glass of wine is going to bite and poison. It's when it's used in excess, when we become enthralled with it, when it becomes a craving. They're powerful. Cravings can sneak up on us, and alcohol is no different. It can steal our career. It's so powerful. It can hurt the ones we love most. Hate that part of these things. So hideous, isn't it? It can, it can overpower our prayers, our relationship with God. So I'm to write, I want you to jot this down if you're taking notes. This is from Andy Stanley. He's a teaching pastor that's just a great partner with us, super wise guy. He's, he coined it this way. Our cravings will either rule us or we will rule them. I agree with Andy on this. Someone's going to win. It's not neutral ground. Either we control them or they can control us. Here's a big idea for this series. You could say it this way. How we handle our cravings will determine the direction and quality of our life. How we handle them is going to determine the direction and the quality of our life. And specifically for this service, talking about alcohol and substances, it says how we handle our cravings, I'm sorry, how we handle alcohol and substances will determine the direction and quality of our life. What we do with those will make a difference in the outcome of our life so before you take a drink we need to pause because there's a lot at stake here there really is Uh, we're going to take our offering right now because i want to show you a video so ushers you can come down and again i just want to celebrate with you guys uh that are partnering and have been have modeled i just know for Callie and i it's super encouraging Quite frankly, it's inspiring to us just how you're living open-handedly. For those of you that are visiting, uh, don't feel obligation or manipulation to give. This is for those of us that are really believe in what Kensington uh, is doing through Christ in this place. So what we're going to do is watch a video from a real good friend of mine in Cali's. His name is Jack Wilson. Jack was a vice president, at Oakland University, super smart guy. Um, he's been a counselor uh, and kind of a sage mentor for a lot of us in the Kensington family, by the hundreds, for about 20 years now. I just love this guy, super wise, and he's going to give us some insights. He starts off the video, Dave Wilson is interviewing me, and he kind of starts off, and they're referring to his definition of cravings, which I've kind of just done with you, but then he's going to specifically talk about alcohol from a physiological, a medical standpoint.
3: let's take what you just said and apply it to like alcohol
1: sure when is that a problem let's talk about predisposition first right. Okay. i think it's really really important that people understand uh that this isn't settled science okay it's but the trend line has been around for a very very long time uh and and it influences my thinking to the level that i truly believe that a certain percentage of the population are physiologically predisposed uh to developing addictions, whether it's a alcohol or marijuana or a controlled substance. Uh, we're physiologically predisposed. And the best way to figure out whether you're physiologically predisposed is to look at your family history. Mm-hmm. You know, Take a look at that family tree you know, and see if there are people in your past uh, who um, have had problems with drinking or or whatever because that used to be the term that was used uh, and if there is then for you drinking is something that you really should not be cavalier about it's something that you should really be paying some attention to because if you have a physiological predisposition then you're going to move through uh, recreational moderate drinking uh, to irresponsible drinking and addiction much more quickly than someone who doesn't have a physiological predisposition
3: now obviously somebody like me you know i look Mm -hmm. at my family tree Mm -hmm. and i have two alcoholic parents Mm -hmm. for decades i never even thought about it Mm -hmm. it's like oh i can drink a beer i can drink whatever it's no big deal you would have immediately said to me dude be very very careful with this exactly everybody should be careful but especially somebody with a background like mine absolutely so what do i do
1: uh, well, in your situation, uh, I would have I said to you that you need to be aware of the fact that becoming intoxicated is just not safe for you. Mm. If you were to drink even moderately, uh, then I would say there's a better than a 60% chance that you would have triggered uh, your physiological predisposition. And we'd be talking about some kind of a recovery issue.
3: And I've heard you say in the past the analogy of uh, playing Russian roulette with predisposition. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, when we have a predisposition, um, the higher that predisposition is when we look at our family history, you know, both your parents have a substance abuse issue, then the likelihood that four out of, if there are five kids in the family, like my family, uh, the probability is that four out of those five kids are physiologically predisposed. Uh, and then if the grandparents have, a, you know, have an issue, and the aunts and the uncles. So the more people you have in your family tree uh, or the more uh, more culturally relevant it is for you uh, and you're playing Russian roulette and you're spinning the cylinder, Okay, if you don't have a physiological predisposition, yeah, you can probably develop alcoholism. It's not likely, but it's probably good. But let's say you have one bullet in the cylinder. But if all of those factors that I just described to you are there, then you've got five bullets um, in there and there's only six spots. Yeah. You know? So the higher the issue is there in terms of, of number of people, then oh, we better be careful with this Russian roulette thing.
3: What would you say to the person sitting out here that says, I don't really have a problem with drinking? Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they really honestly don't think they have a problem. How does a person know?
1: Well, one of the biggest issues in terms of the way you know is the feedback that you're getting from the people around you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have people saying to you, uh, I think you should um, cut back on your drinking, well, pay attention to them. See what they're saying. Uh, If you're in a circumstance or situation where family members, colleagues, whatever, have said to you something about your drinking and you get angry about it, well, pay attention to what to what they're what they're saying. You know, uh, if there's a circumstance or situation in which you feel guilty about your drinking, well, pay attention to that. Uh, and uh, and if you're in a circumstance or a situation where at any point in time you've ever uh, had a hangover, and you wake up the next morning, and you and you convince yourself that you need an eye opener to get the day going. Hmm. What I just did was what's called the cage C A G E, uh, and it's taught to physicians and, and therapists uh, to get an introductory idea in terms of if you say yes. to Two of those four questions, then we need to have a chat about whether you're drinking irresponsibly or perhaps you're in a circumstance or situation where you've already what we call tipped over Mm. into addiction.
3: Now walk through the cage again. I'd love to hear the
1: C-A-J-G-E explained. Okay. Have you ever tried to cut back? So that's the C. That's the C. Have you ever been angry uh, when someone questioned your drinking? Mm. Have you ever felt guilty that's the g about your drinking and have you ever had an eye what's called an eye opener you know a, a drink early in the day uh, to to help you to have fewer um anxiety issues or or fewer symptoms of of hangover so that's the cage
3: talk about i remember a decade ago or so when we talked about the alcohol you talked about the 30-day sort of test mm-hmm. talk about that
1: yeah this is something that's kind of idiosyncratic to me Uh, in that when someone says to me, well, how do I know if I have a drinking problem? My response is don't drink for 30 days and come back and talk to me. Let's talk about how it goes. And I found over the years that um, I've done that, you know, I don't know how many people. And um, it really is a very good predictor or indicator of what role alcohol uh, is is playing in their life if they just try to go okay thirty days not going to drink and for most folks that I've talked to that's ah, easy will be a piece of cake don't worry about it you know kind of thing and occasionally it is but if they asked me that question see it fits right in the cage thing mm. they asked me that question that's telling me well this is worth taking another look at this you know so try it for thirty days and then let's talk
0: good stuff um, from Jack. I, I had just a couple others that kind of didn't make the cut in the video that I wanted to share with you because I think they'll be helpful. Um, our culture really glorifies drinking, doesn't it? I, I think that Instagram thing, you just look at that, man, she's a beautiful woman. She's going to these amazing places. She's happy. You know, it's like, wow, this is awesome. Right. Um, but actually one thing about this is actually people think, well, I have, they'll say like, I have a really high tolerance for liquor. A high tolerance for liquor is one indication that you're probably an alcoholic. It's one of the first, Jack says, this high tolerance. Like, I can handle this, okay? Here's another thought that I thought was really interesting. Jack was talking about two different parts of the brain, kind of that basic instinctual side of your brain, and then the part that learns and can do values, judgments, and so forth. Well, this learning value judgment part of your brain doesn't come into maturity till at least age 21, science is kind of determined. And so drinking at a younger age is a really dangerous thing because your brain can't process this properly. And the age at which most, of, most kids start drinking, probably 12, 13, if you look at national statistics. So this is a really important thing. Drinking before the age of 21 is very problematic. And so some parents have even made the mistake, Jack would say, it's a big mistake to say, well, I'm going to kind of teach my kid how to drink, you know, to get them Said, so not, don't do that. Um, now, here's the here's a here's the a, here's a thought. Cravings, this whole series have consequences. I mean, I mean that's what we're talking about. Um, our parents are who they are and where they are because of how they manage their cravings. Some of you grew up without a parent in the home because they chose their craving over you. That's just the that's the truth of it. It's so heartbreaking. My my father was the, the son of an alcoholic. His dad was the town drunk. And I'll never forget when he was 72 years old, I was talking to him. We were on a long drive, and he just was sharing memories, you know. And it was really cool. A lot of them I hadn't heard from my dad. And then he told me this one. He was a junior in high school and, and going to a, a, a really cool dance at the high school. And he, and he invited my mother, whom he was dating at that point, to go. It was the first time he, he kind of stirred up the courage to ask his dad if he could borrow the card. Never done it. Never asked his dad for anything. And his dad kind of, you know, no emotion, just said, yeah, you him." you know. So the day came. Dad had bought the suit, it's flowers, all excited, all the plans. And time came for him to go pick up my mom. His dad doesn't show up. 30 minutes go by, hour, hour and a half. He's at the bar. And as my dad, the thing, the reason I'm telling you that story, I'll never forget it. Because my dad's a pretty strong dude. And uh, man, he sat in the car and tears were just running down his face. 72 years old. The wounds, the consequences that he paid because of his father's drinking. You know, there was a, uh, this whole thing about being parents. I just, you know, we know this, but probably it's good to say it again. Your kids are watching. They're watching what we do. whole well, way more than what we say, right? And, uh, I had this one time when, uh, actually, we were, it was when Davey was in middle school. He's 20 now. He's in middle school, and uh, it was in the summer, and we had been working outside, and I was at the counter in the summer, and I had a beer, and I was drinking, and I just noticed that he just was weird. He just felt uncomfortable, and so eventually I, I thought, I wonder if he feels funny about me drinking this thing. in front, you know? So yeah, I said, hey, bud, do you feel weird about me drinking this beer? And he said, no, no, he wouldn't look at me. So I kind of pressed in a little harder, you know, and I said, are you nervous? I don't know. I felt like I had an insight. Maybe God gave me. I said, are you nervous that maybe this could be dangerous for me? And then he got kind of teary eyed and he said, and he said, yeah, nervous about that. And I had been friends with Jack for a long time and I'd heard him talk about that 30 day thing and it just popped into my head. And I, so I said to Davey, I said, well, would it make you feel more comfortable if I just didn't drink for a while? Like. least a month and he just lit right up and he said yeah that'd be great i was like wow i had no idea what my kid was feeling so i just stopped i didn't didn't have any alcohol for i think it was over 90 days and i talked with him periodically between them it was a really important thing and i uh, i felt like when that came to me a, a verse that i had kind of half memorized popped in my head it's this one i share with you i think it's a great wisdom verse when it comes to like what do i have the right to do right Uh, 1 Corinthians, I have the right to do anything. You say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And I would just say when it comes to the drinking thing, be aware of who's around you, right? Like one of the things we're very careful is with people that uh, are alcoholics recovering alcoholics not to drink in front of them right with them because it's, it's a it's a, it's not fair it's i it's not that i it's okay for, you see what i'm saying be considerate of others i thought that verse was great i was so thankful kind of the lord kind of put that in me it was a great thing i want to share with you um two steps to victory for those of us in the room who may find ourselves in that place where we've tipped over or it's become a problem for us um The first step is the second, actually, this maybe the second step, but kind of do it in reverse order, is admit that I need help. I want to have victory. First step, admit that I need help. Until we tell someone our problem, we're going to have that problem. There's two ways to live. One, we can conceal, or two, we can reveal. And concealing leads to death. It leads to the death of trust. It's the death of truth when we keep secrets. It's the death, ultimately, of intimacy and relationships. Ultimately, it could result in sickness and you carry out long enough death to your physical self, right? As long as we have a craving that is a secret, it has a power over us. Remember that quote by Andy Stanley? We're going to either rule it or it's going to rule over us. We can choose to bring it into the light Or God will eventually do it. Listen to this verse. This is a promise from him. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. How many people in the news we have seen that had secrets going on right now? A lot of them, right? And they're being proclaimed from the roofs of social media. God is saying, don't kid yourself. We can't hide these secrets forever. Revealing is the other way. Revealing brings life. If we reveal our secrets to another, it's unbelievable, the trust. Have you ever had a person do that? There's kind of been this secret kind of weird thing and then they come clean to you. Maybe it's one of your kids. Dad, I just want to let you know that the feeling of connection and trust And love is amazing. It breathes life. James 5, 16 says this. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is the only place in scripture it says to do that. Confess sin to another person. But it's huge. It was huge for me when I was newly married. I remember struggling with a secret and it was horrible. I had been sexually abused as a child and I kept that to myself. Nobody knew that secret. The moment I shared that with Callie, I think I think it was two years into our marriage. That's how long it took me to have the courage even talk about it. It's just weight lifted off. But part of that abuse had created this heightened sexuality in me as a kid. So pornography was an issue for me. And as I came clean with my struggle for that and shared that with her, I cannot tell you the revealing of that secret, the life that it brought to me. It was huge. The most courageous thing you will ever do is tell someone and ask for help. Tell someone and ask for help. Now, I, I want to promote a program. We've talked about it at Kensington a lot. It's called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, the Orion campus has a Celebrate Recovery night. And uh, we just found out, even after just doing this last week of Crave, that were 50% new people showed up at Celebrate Recovery. This is an amazing place. It's, it, we really believe it's probably the safest and most honest place in all of Kensington. People just come in and say, this is what I'm struggling with, and I need help. Man, if you're in a place where substances have gotten a, gotten a hold of you, man, take advantage of Celebrate Recovery. It's an amazing process of accountability and grace and acceptance. Now, here's the first step. So the second step, which I gave you first, right? Admit that I need help. Here's even maybe one before that. The core. Admit that I am powerless without God. Admitting that I'm powerless without God's help. The Bible says that in admitting my weakness, I actually find strength. This is one of my favorite verses because I'm so darn weak. I love this verse. My grace is sufficient for you. God is telling the Apostle Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness Therefore, I will boast, Paul's saying, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. And this is, listen to this, right? For when I'm weak, it's so counterintuitive. When I'm weak, it's when I'm the strongest. When I reveal I find life when the secret comes to life is when I have true strength starting to build up in me, Kyle, come on up. I've, I've asked Kyle Wilson to come up and, and, uh, share with us a little bit this morning. I, years ago, we'll talk about a little bit. I had uh, done a service where Kyle shared a parts of his story. Um, but I would love for him to do that today. Um, He was up with Corinne at the beginning of the service, you remember. Um, They've been with Clarkston Campus since we we started. And uh, you guys have just done this first small group. You've got three kids, Anna, Caden, and Ben. Um, But I want to talk about your life um, a few years back. And uh, you told me that in 2001, so that's 16 years ago now. Wow, right? Um, You began working as a bartender. And it was at that point... Things started to change a little bit for you. And if we fast forward eight years, so we're at 2009, you're married, you got two kids, two and five, you find yourself, by your admission, a workaholic, right? Um, And you're getting high every night with your wife, seven days a week, drinking. Um, Just talk to me about that time of your life.
4: Yeah, um... All those things are true. That's, that's uh, every day. Um, we were drinking pretty heavily and, and getting high. Uh, but from the outside, uh, it seemed that we had it all together. Uh, we were really good at hiding it from my family, um, our children, uh, everyone really.
0: And part of this too is there was a connection to this. So the bartending thing and then there was a whole series of high school friends. It wasn't alone, right? There's a group of you guys.
4: Yeah, yeah, we had uh, our circle of friends at that time were making a lot of the same bad decisions that we were, um, so it just continued to just this from cycle. There.
0: Yeah. Now, near the end of 2009, so the alcohol thing, smoking, and so forth was pretty heavy, and then you started taking Adderall um, in an abusive way, um, and you said like this is something that even Corinne didn't know about, and then just talk about. Um, This crazy cycle that you find yourself in, the late nights, all that, just that whole season, what that felt like to you?
4: Yeah, so within our circle of friends, um, we were taking Adderall uh, recreationally, uh, just just to allow you to party longer, really, Mm -hmm. is what it did. Um, And I got to a point where I liked it so much that I knew what I needed to tell the doctor to um, write the prescription for me. So
0: I did that um,
4: without my wife knowing.
0: Yeah so you're in the you're doing she said like up at night you got a business you got your own business 80 hours a week
4: yeah running my own company i was working 80 hours a week so i'd be up till 3 or 4 a.m working um drinking uh getting high taking more adderall and then three four hours of sleep uh, i'd get up the next day and take my daughter to school and
0: pop three or four energy drinks a day yep i I don't know how you live through it quite frankly
4: yeah when i tell the story and I, i think about it um i 'm really lucky that my, my heart didn 't explode that I just didn 't lose it from it
0: now this is, this is what was so interesting when I think of the Instagram thing um, or why we do this uh, when we were meeting at Hancho. I just thought it was so interesting. And you said, "Well, you know what these drugs made me feel like to share that
4: Yeah, it really gave me this almost superhuman feeling um, you know that I, I was a better person because of it, that I could just do everything. That much better, be more efficient. I was more in tune with what, what I was doing. Yeah,
0: it was so funny. I was listening to the song this morning, the, the sober thing, right, pink song. It says, I'm safe, up high, nothing can touch me. It's just this feeling of invincibility. Um, but what happened was, right, um, the wheels started to come off. So you've got this business. Talk about your business, your relationship. What's going on?
4: Yeah, so um, at the time, Corinne Corinne was pregnant with Ben. Um, She really started to become more aware of of what was going on with me. Financially, um, things were getting really bad for us in my business. Um, We had to short sell our house, uh, moved into a condo, which we lost just nine months after that. Um, Almost had my car repoed at one point, so we were borrowing money left and right from our families just to keep our heads above the water. Um, so things were just continuing to just spin out of control. And, and health-wise, uh, yeah, the Adderall suppresses your appetite. So um, I, I really wasn't eating. I had a really bad diet. I stopped working out, um, just looked unhealthy, felt unhealthy. My Physically and mentally,
0: I was just fried, really. And then you get the the big wake-up call.
4: Yeah. Um, Corinne basically told me to uh, to get off the drugs and Close my business or to get out um, so that's that was really
0: rock bottom for me. So yeah, what happened at that moment
4: well i wasn't willing to to leave my wife and family um, so the the drinking heavily stopped the the Adderall, which um, was controlling my life at that point uh, I stopped uh, smoking. Getting high every night, stopped, all of it, cold turkey.
0: Even before that, that very day, so when Corinne comes to you, she says, either straighten up or I'm out of here, right? What happened? Describe yourself, you've fallen to the floor.
4: Yeah, I, I kind of went off to be by myself and uh, vividly remember that day, just breaking down, falling to my knees and bawling and, and really just begging uh, the Lord to, to renew my soul.
0: What did you sense from him? What did you sense at that point?
4: I was trying to control and do all these things uh, by myself, and I just felt like, you know, at that point, I felt his presence, and, and by just dropping to my knees and allowing him in, because up until that point, I, I had kind of just held him at arm's distance. Uh, but he was always there, just, just patiently waiting for me.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. Now, what happened kind of simultaneously with this, is, which is so cool because it really fits in even with the beginning. Like when I was doing the greeting with the different groups of people in circles, God starts this whole thing. You start, you reveal. You finally get real. The first person you got real with was God and Corinne. And then these layers start to open up. So I was just thinking um, you're losing your job, your career and all this kind of stuff. But relationally, right, you were like absolutely withdrawing. Um, talk to me about, like, when you were in your car, what you would do.
4: Yeah, so, so prior to Corinne giving me that ultimatum, um, you know, I had just withdrawn myself from, from everyone, everything. Uh, and there were days that I remember, because I was working so much and my car was my office, that I would just find kind of a quiet place um, and just kind of hide, uh, just, just feeling the pressure of the world crushing down on me. Uh, The guilt and the shame of what I was doing to my wife and my family. Um, Losing my company. I just was barely holding it
0: together at that point. So when you fall on the floor, you're not met with anger. Um, But I remember you talking about some of the shame and some of the guilt starting to be released. Um, And then God, what does he do? He starts to build this marriage back together. One of the things, that, one of the great things of your story is uh, you guys are like living in this condo, right? And your aunt and uncle, who are really powerful followers of Jesus, invite you to come and live in their basement, right? So he's saying that Corinne all day long would be upstairs and she's talking to her aunt. And then at night, the two of you would come up and sit and just talk. And it's like you had your little small, you had a circle. It really was.
4: Yeah, that was uh, a really turning point in, in our journey um... For me, it was super humbling—from having this business and nice cars and all this stuff—to uh, having to move my family of five into my aunt and uncle's um, basement. Uh, it was super tough, but um, it was such a blessing to us because, like Mark was saying, it was—it was daily. My crin was spending time with my aunt Jenny, um, and she was just pouring truth and love into her and into our marriage and into our family. And then at night, we'd sit down with them pretty much regularly. Um, and they were just, God delivered them to us when we needed it the most, and they're actually here right now, and I just wanted to say thank you guys. Uh, we love you so much. Uh, we wouldn't be where we are in our journey today without you.
0: That's awesome. See, this is what God does, though. You weren't asking for that. That's what's so beautiful. That's where reveal equals life. I just want you to remember that. When you reveal and get this secret out, God, it's like, almost like God's like waiting. He's waiting for the reveal. He's waiting for you to be honest. He's like, ah, he's on the floor begging. He's being real. He comes in. That's what it feels like to me. Because right after that, Corinne, I see you sitting here. You met this guy you're sitting next to. Uh, just right kind of on a, kind of a, I don't know, whatever. what do you call it? It was just a happenstance, right? Circumstance thing. Ryan Coral says, hey, you, you need to talk to my wife. And then, then you find out that Smash, which is a women's retreat, is happening. And you've never met her before. And you say, you should come with me to this weekend. So you end up going to Smash. And then you get invited into another set of circles. Uh, a bunch of young families, same life stage as you guys. And you're enveloped again. And it's a chance where you're like, share, share that again. I mean, it just, what did you experience? What did you experience with them that was different?
4: Yeah, it was, um, it was just a safe place. As um, soon as she got back from Smash and, and met all these amazing women, uh, she, was, she was changed. She was a different person. And it was a week later, we had dinner with all of their families. Uh, some of them I actually went to, to school with at, at Rochester College, but... Um, they just invited us into their circle. And it was, it was for us, being around them, experiencing the realness and, and just the beauty of what they were living and the examples that they were leading for their children and their families. Um, it was just so attractive, and just, they, they just loved on us, always.
0: So when we were talking at Hancho. There was this theme that I kept seeing, and I actually, when I took my notes, I kind of typed it up and read. And it's, you know, it's like uh, Corinne didn't know. Then the next page, it's still hit all the drinking and drug stuff from my aunt Jenny and Uncle Jack. Right? Then the next page is still didn't share everything in the small groups with these people. There's this, you know, it's, it's so hard, right? I just want you to know the reality. It's not like, hey. You know, I'd cried out to God and then everything's been great since. This is a really hard to reveal. A couple years later, I invite you to tell your story, which I referred to earlier. And, and you did. And I asked you to write it out. And you sent it to me. He sent it and typed it out. And I read it and I was like, okay, wow, that's really cool. But you didn't tell me any details. So I went to you and I said, hey, um, you know, with your drug addiction, can you give me some detail about that? Because that's what's really powerful when people actually know. So tell me how that hit you.
4: Yeah. So when you asked me to do it originally, I was like, no way. There's no way I'm getting up in front of thousands of people and telling them this stuff. I don't. I don't want people to know about this. And yeah. up to that point, um, aside from our close circle of friends, uh, they provided a safe place for us to kind of um, start sharing a little more openly. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, we were very just holding it close. Not to our everything, chest. but some, right? Yeah. 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 The, the really gross stuff, right? Um, and when you asked me, I felt the nudge that God wanted me to do this. And, and even if just one person heard my story and was changed because of it, then it would be worth it. But what I didn't realize is the impact that it was going to have on, on me and my life. Um, and so I wrote up the, the notes. I had two minutes to get all this in. And I'm like, there's no way. So I sent it to Mark, and he's like, Kyle, this is good. But you were addicted to drugs. And hearing those words come out of his mouth... Um Just gave me the sense of it was okay like this this isn 't who you are now this is this is part of your past um, because i didn 't want to admit that right I knew I had a problem, and i was I was trying to deal with that, but it was really when I heard those words come out of your mouth that was just kind of set me back, it was super powerful
0: so what i I just want you know, just to be reinforcing this again that when our stuff, our secrets come into the light. That's when God does his greatest work. I, I shared with uh, you my sister's story, who, had, who struggled with alcohol um, very seriously for about eight years and uh, um, was really great a few years ago. I was able to share her story during our Easter service. Um, and what's so amazing about Amy, this light thing's a big deal to her. She says, man, Mark, there's nothing. I mean, every day. And she's like diligent to make sure there's nothing hidden, even small little stuff. Right. Because she just knows the power of darkness and what that can do. I just there's a great verse. It says, this is the message we have heard from him It's from God and declare to you. And I love this. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. None. And so I just hope you can see that. Just, I mean, when you shared this with me, I was so excited. Um, one of the, talk to me about this. So at the, very, at the end of all of this, what has God done for you? What has Jesus done? If you could just capsulize the difference of where you were, where you are today.
4: Well, to start off, our, our marriage is, uh, is unbelievable now, um, most of the time at least. But um, I'm glad
0: you put that in there because <laughs> I'm going to feel really bad about mine. No. <laughs> yeah. uh,
4: I, I, I've just been very blessed. Um, and Corinne, I, I can't thank you enough for um, just sticking up, sticking by my side through all this and not giving up on me. Um, and my family, who really didn't know any of this uh, until the red chair story just a couple of years ago, we were always there for us steadfast. They knew we were going through a lot of stuff. But, um, and our friends, uh, just who continue to, to pour into our lives, into our marriage, into our children. Um, it's just, we're in a beautiful place right
0: now. I typed this down. Uh, you said it at, at Hancho. You said, I owe all this to God's incredible mercy and grace. At the time, I felt like I was in a rabbit hole all by myself. But God was right there. I just was pushing him away the entire time. I just appreciate so much you coming up and sharing um, this powerful stuff. Would you give Kyle a uh, hand appreciation? Thank you, bud. It is beautiful. Isn't that a great story? It's just so beautiful. On so many levels. Um, I just want to encourage you. Admit that you need help. We all need help. Admit that we're powerless without God. But when we are weak in our own eyes. What? We are then what? Strong. Because God can come in to truth. He can come in when we're ready to be honest. And do amazing things. And we have access to his power. At that point. I'm going to read this. This is one of my favorite verses uh, in Scripture. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, see, when you're losing your house, when your car is going to be repoed, when you don't know your wife, when your physical body's wrecked, at just that time, when you're powerless, Christ died for you. Isn't that beautiful? That's an amazing truth. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still selfish, while we were still hiding and controlling, right? He died for you. I hope you hear this message. God is not waiting in a church building for you to get your act together. That's not Jesus. Jesus is pursuing you with an amazing love at your worst point. That's why he came. That's why he's here. Here's a couple of action steps for us as we leave. I just would think back to Jack. Maybe take 30 days if you're questioning. If somebody's been talking to you about this, that whole cage thing that he gave us, pay attention, right? Next or two weeks from now on the 28th will be the last week of this series and we're going to ask you to bring a crave token with you. You know what that is? It's an opportunity for us to bring something that's an example that would kind of be an example of what has kind of had its talent in us. And we're going to bring that and we're going to walk up on stage. I'm going to bring mine. It could be a vodka bottle. It could be a mirror for those of you that had struggled with self-image, Right. It could be a dollar bill if money has been everything to you and you've destroyed relationship over the pursuit of money. I don't know. It could be dice if gambling's got a handle on you. It could be food. It, whatever it is that has controlled you and kept you from being free, we're going to come in and just leave that on a stage as a demonstration of God. We're going to reveal. We're going to get real. We're going to start moving in life with you. So I want you to really think about that. McKenna's going to sing a song beautifully, I may add, um, that has kind of been a little theme for us this this series. And I want to read just, it's called No Victim. I am no victim. I live with a vision. I'm covered by the force of love. See, I don't know, man. I, I can just imagine that when you were sitting in your car, barely able to keep your eyes open with the world caving in on you I bet you felt like a victim God is saying no you're covered by my love even in your weakest point covered in my blood I died for you right love these words I'm no orphan I'm not a poor man the kingdoms now become my own and with the king I found a home this is the truth regardless of the mess you've made. This is what God thinks of you. So, boy, as you listen to this, let's just allow ourselves to believe this, to believe this wonderful truth. And get ready. I just pray that God, I I, I know he's going to be speaking to you a next step. And I'm telling you, this, this is for real. Is it not, Kyle, Corinne? These decisions are real, and you're going to be nervous about it because only your life's at stake. Starting a small group, leading a small group's hard. For little and it was hard to step out and get into the Kaleo program. For you to step out of an addiction and be honest for the first time, it's going to scare the crud out of you. I pray for courage right now that whatever God's, voice is to you that it is a voice of love that is backed by power and commitment to you as his child
7: with a vision Covered by the force of love Covered in my Savior's blood, I'm It's not just reviving, not simply restoring, greater things have yet to come, greater things have yet to come, He is my Father. His plans for me are good, if He'll come through like He should, because He's provision and another wisdom to usher. Jesus, you change everything. Jesus, you change
8: everything. God, we praise you this morning that that is true. Man, that you you know our addictions and and everything that's going on in this room, but God, we know that we have our hope in you and that when we turn to you and we surrender those things, man, you are the one that changes our lives. We thank you that that you're the only one that can do that, and and we know that we have that hope in you, and God, we ask that we just have the, the courage to surrender that to you today we thank you and we love you just for for loving us in every state that we're in and and if we're dealing with something or if we've overcome it, man God, you're with us in that moment. So we just ask that as we close today, God, that you're you're just pushing onto our hearts and to, to come before you just as we are. So we thank you and we love you. It's in your son's name that we pray, amen. Amen. I wanna invite you guys to stand as we sing this last song and really it's just gonna be all about how God can overcome the darkness in our lives.
7: tremble, Jesus, Jesus, breathe, call these bones to leave, call these lungs to sing once again, I will break.
0: so much for being with us today i just i want to invite again anybody that would like to come down pray with me or kyle or ann or any, we'll have a few of us up front we'd always love to greet you um we'd love to see you next week as we continue the series um kind of work on that token and what god is speaking to you and man, i just pray that whatever your next step would be powerful would be powerful with him have a great day we'll see you